better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Healthcare On Air by Verizon. I'm your host, Robin Goldsmith, Global Lead for Innovation and Strategy here at Verizon. So we're picking up episode two of our amazing conversation with Cherry Drulis, Director of Healthcare Mobility B2B from Samsung. Please enjoy. This is kind of a, a tangent question, but as the workforces are, you know, we're bringing in this, these digital first natives, you know, nurses are, you know, they're, they're, the younger generations are very used to having a phone to do a lot of their, their work. I'm sure that's kind of a, a catalyst for them to retain nurses, to recruit nurses. You're in these modern environments that they, you know, they're used to it. They they grew up with that kind of technology. I mean, it's it's probably a challenge for you know the aging workforce, but I think we've also seen people adapt, right? Just out of necessity. So um, it's incredibly exciting to to see how far we've come in a pretty in a relatively short period of time. I want to know kind of the catalyst of the why behind this, of why why you think hospitals are really pushing for these environments to to really raise the bar. I mean, I have my kind of theories of. There's a lot of folks coming in to, that are disrupting healthcare. These younger generations expect, you know, what they have in their house with voice-enabled technologies and smart screens and all this great tech. They expect that really in every environment. Can you can you speak to that kind of what's what's a driver for this? Yeah, um, and this is you know from from my perspective the, the work that we're doing over here at Samsung and what we've seen um, since you know COVID. Um, and when you think about it, you go seek care where you think you're going to have the best experience because you, in your mind, equate the experience with the outcome, right? Yeah. If you have a really good experience, you're going to have perceived fantastic health care. So, and it kind of goes back to organization strategic and everything that we're seeing in the news today about hospitals acquiring smaller community hospitals because they can't keep the doors open. Yeah. You know, we're now looking at the silent quitting of clinical staff uh, with status post the pandemic because of the burnout. And it's really hard being in healthcare. It's yeah. not not easy. It's, it's, it's hard. It's long hours. It's taxing mentally and physically. And just trying to figure out, so how do we keep the doors open? How do we retain our employees and attract patients to come to our hospital? And you've got to figure out how to create that lean workflow, that lean environment that's more cost effective, where you can really look at cost containment and how you're going to drive down costs, but still bring up your revenue. Um, and one of the things that kind of is rolled up into that is employees. It costs thousands of dollars to hire a new employee. So if you got a lot of turnover, you're going to have a lot of lost costs based on retaining and training and retaining. So what we're seeing is that 
hospitals are leveraging this digital technology to attract new workforce and retain them in place. They're using it as um, a retention or how to attract that younger generation into the hospital system. And one of the things that we're seeing and implementing today, you know, we talked about leveraging like the XCover 6 Pro. They're using that device and connectivity um, as like a benefit to their employees now. So let's say you're a nurse and you come work for Hospital A and we're leveraging that technology. We at Samsung have the ability to take that device and lock it down so that you have a work mode and a personal mode. And that's how my phone is at Samsung. I have two different modes on here. When I'm at work, I'm in my work mode and I'm using this phone to do all things I need to in the hospital. And then on my personal life, I can then use this same phone so now I'm getting a phone and cellular service as a benefit. So it's just creative yeah. things like that that we're doing yeah. to help, you know, retention and all that. The employees provide better care in the patient overall experience. And what that ultimately leads to is that differentiator in their industry. You're going to go to the facility that has the best technology and you're going to get the best experience. Yeah, which directly translates to when I fill out my survey of how, how my experience was, you're probably spending the most time in your in the patient room. So if you if you implement, you know, entertainment, all this e frictionless, you know, ways to order a meal or see my bill, all these things we've been talking about, that just leads to, you know, me writing a better survey report. And that translates into meaningful dollars for hospitals. So it all makes sense. Um, I want to. You mentioned something early on in the conversation. Your time at Watson, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up AI. And and it's just I've been at a couple conferences recently, and I have to say every session, everyone, no one did not talk about AI. It came up in every single conversation, and people even prefaced their their talk with, "I'm not going to talk about AI," but then they proceeded to talk about AI. <laughs> yeah, cool. Coming from IBM kind of early days of Watson, which, you know, was one of the foundational pieces of kind of where we've come to today. Um, I'm curious, when it comes to patient experience and, and clinician experience, where do you think AI is going to make the most impact? And I know AI is a is kind of a overarching term for a lot of different things. So, you know, specific to what, you know, it means to you. Yeah, that's a really good question. So... <clears throat> I'm going to take a, a minute and talk about some stuff that I did when I was at IBM. Okay. Yep. Um, and that will lead you to the reason why I feel the impact that AI is going to be in this particular area. So one of the projects I worked on when I was at IBM was, um, it was in another country, but we were leveraging Watson to look at decreasing no-shows for pediatric surgery. And this was a state-of-the-art, one of these first Smart Connect at the hospitals I ever had the privilege to be a part of implementing. Um, and the, the building was absolutely phenomenal. Everything, it was it had sensors all through the building. Um, when you walked into the building, it was constantly counting the number of people, changing the temperature in the room. I mean, it was just phenomenal. But yeah. they were having issues with no-shows for surgery. And they thought, they were trying to figure outside the box, um, leveraging AI, how could they improve their um, surgical visits? So what we did was we worked with their lead pediatric surgeon, leveraging Watson, 
to glean insights, leveraging some tone annotators on a virtual app that was loaded on a mobile phone. The pediatric, the, the patient could then create their own avatar. So if they had like an amputated leg, their little avatar could have a little amputated leg or a little mm-hmm. colostomy bag, or if they were going through, you know, uh, chemotherapy, you know, they could have the little um, headbands on and all kinds of stuff. Super cute. And then they got the name their avatar. Well, that avatar would come to life and it became their individual that they could talk to about their surgery. So if they were scared or had questions, you know, they could um, talk to their avatar, ask them if it was going to hurt, you know, what was surgery going to be like? Was it going to be cold? They could talk to their avatar and glean all kinds of questions. But while they were interacting on the back end with AI, tall annotators, gleaning insights and meaning constantly from the interaction from this little uh, patient then that was being transformed into analytics and dashboards that was being sent back to the clinical team. So now the physicians and clinical staff could say, I see this patient's coming in for an appendectomy. They're really scared. Their favorite color's purple and they love teddy bears. So when that patient would come to the hospital, they would have purple sheets on the bed. They'd have a big teddy bear sitting there. So it was a, it was a way to leverage data turning something that was meaningful to drive to an outcome or result that they were trying yeah. to achieve, which was decreasing no shades for surgery, which it works beautifully. And it's still being used today because I periodically go to that website to see if they're still using it. That is amazing. So when you think about the power of AI, oh my God, it's really whatever the mind can think of. But where I see AI really making a difference it's being able to collect all of this data that we're collecting. I mean, look at all of the RPM data, you know, yep. walk around with wearables, you know, peripherals. Take that data and glean insights from that data to truly drive outcomes of patient care. And, and I think, too, and then taking that data to customize it because the way I need care is different than the way you need care. So in my mind, AI is going to be best gleaning insights from data to personalize treatment MS. Yeah, which is where, where we all want to go. Personalize, kind of omni-channel, you know, very specific to Cherry versus Robin. And, and amazing. I love that story of, of how you can, you know, because we AI seems like this very cold, you know, it's data, but but really it's what, what happens with that data to get to the outcomes, which in that case was making kids feel comfortable, which, you know, what a great story. I, I love that. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to discount health equity because I know that's a passion for you. And it, we've spent a lot of time. We, I did, I was part of an accelerator, an advisor to an accelerator of finding startups focused on health equity this year. So it's been kind of a passion for me and, and super impressed with, with what's going on there. You know, from your perspective, I mean, I kind of, when you say health equity, I know it means something to everybody, something different to any, everybody. That when I say health equity, you know, you probably have a very specific meaning of what that means and access. Could you speak to that kind of from the base level? And, and I think we've seen a lot of progress out of, you know, what we've seen in the pandemic again. I think health equity became a, top talking point for every healthcare executive. And I think they've got more and more programs are being developed around health equity, but I'd love to hear kind of 
how you define it, what it means to you, and, and kind of what you've seen working there. Yeah. Um, so when I think about um, health equity, uh, it's really making sure that everyone has access to care. Um, and a lot of times people think equity and equality are the same, but they're not. Right. So having access is one thing, but the quality of the healthcare is a, a separate thing, right? Because mm. just because we have access to it doesn't mean that we all are seeking the same type of healthcare. So I think the fundamental building block is let's 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 work on that digital divide and health equity to make sure that everyone has access. And then we need to really look at the quality of that care because you know, we've talked about it before in other conversations, Robin, when you think about social determinants of health yeah. and the things that are hindering me from assessing that health care, um, you know, maybe I can't drive, I, I don't have vision, or maybe I can't drive because I'm a bilateral amputee. So the quality of that care, what I'm going to need out of the system is going to be different than what you need. Um, you know, and... I live in a rural area in South Carolina, and I think we've talked about this. I have to personally drive to go to a physician over an hour. So, I mean, it's not easy for me. You know, so if I have to go to a physician, I have to stop what I'm doing, get in my car, drive an hour, see that provider, drive an hour back. So you're looking at sometimes four or longer hours just to go get treatment from a primary care provider. A lot of people don't have the means to do that. They don't have PTO. They don't have a job that allows them to just shut down in the middle of the day and go see a physician and come back to work. So yep. um, when I think about equity, it's having the access, but then the type of care we need is different. It, it's not um, it's not an easy goal, I don't think, to um, achieve. To me, it, it is a journey. And that journey is going to take time. And we've got to figure out the fundamental building blocks. Kind of look at it as like that modular approach. Which comes first? Kind of like Legos. Let's build this out and make it something beautiful so that everyone has health equity and equality. Yeah. But we've got to start and build. Absolutely. I mean, you brought up a great point with rural. And I think this, I mean, it happens in urban environments as well, right? I mean, it, it's kind of healthcare deserts. And, and when you say social determinants of health with <clears throat> transportation, you brought up food. Um, I think connectivity, you can kind of put it in that bucket, right? Because maybe, you know, I think we saw the importance of it, devices and connectivity during the pandemic. And I, it seems like the industry is going this decentralization of care, as, as it's being called. Of we, got, we don't have enough doctors and nurses. How do we triage patients in their home? And what is the technology that, that's going to help enable that in the home? And I think that addresses, you know, you being, you know, I think we're lucky. We, 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 we can take time off of work and go see our doctor. A lot of folks can't. And if we can make that more frictionless so that I could have a telemedicine visit, you know, this, this evolution of a lot of the diagnostics that can be done through technology, it's, it's incredibly exciting. And I know... You know what is that shift going to look like from from a from put on your nursing hat here? You know, delivering more and more care in the home is that going to what's that going to look like from from a nurse's view and not having the backdrop of you know all these people on a ward to support me going out to, 
you know, seeing a patient in the home, it, you know, what is that going to take from a training perspective? And I'm just curious your thoughts on kind of what that new new award would look like. Yeah, so we think about taking care of patients in their home. That's not a new concept for nurses. We have home health nursing, home health agencies. So we've been sure. doing that for years, right? Yep. What I think it's going to do, though, is help us be a force multiplier. And what I mean by that is taking care of more patients in their home with the nurse not necessarily driving to every home, but able to stay in their central location like I am today and doing remote visits with all these patients. So theoretically, it's it's like a force multiplier. And now it's not ever going to replace completely um, that human touch. We're always going to need what we call that human touch, right? But there are things with like lower acuity or just check-ins, you know, check-in to see how you're doing, any questions about medication or how you're advancing with like therapy if you're doing any type of therapies at home. And I don't think it's um, going to be a difficult concept. It's just making sure that we have the right infrastructure. And Robin, this is something that we talk we talk about as well is what's going to make all of this work seamlessly is the connectivity. We've got to have the right connectivity or none of these digital care delivery models are going to work and be effective. We've got to have the connectivity period. Without connectivity, you know, I say all the time, it's our neural network. It's like our spinal cord. If we don't have our spinal cord, we can't have life, right? Same thing with our digital technology. Without the connectivity, it's not. Yeah. We 100% agree on that. So, (laughs) all right. So, um, you know, we've talked about challenges, you know, we talked about health equity, the patient room in the future, home care. We covered a lot of topics. I'm just curious, you know, Distilling this all down, you know, you have an incredible background, a, a journey from being a nurse to a CNO to now working in multiple health technology companies and connectivity companies. You know, looking three to five years ahead, I mean, we've seen incredible, you know, innovation accelerate over the past three years. Like five years in the future, kind of where do you see that going? Kind of what do you see or what do you hope to see? Um, that is even accelerated further or addition, you know, things that you, you want to see happen in five years. Yeah. So, you know, I say three to five years and who knows, I mean, we may have another pandemic and it may happen in another year. Right. But, and we've talked about this and I think the, we've spent some time together and you're trying, you're starting to see the passion I have for the healthcare and truly Absolutely. addressing the digital divide. Um, I think it's important that everybody has access to healthcare. And one of the things that I'm hoping that we see in the next three to five years is more that democratization of healthcare and being able to leverage our digital technology and connectivity with our partners to truly democratize healthcare. Everybody should have access to healthcare. It should not be something that only certain economical status individuals have or people that live in certain areas it should be for everybody regardless of where you live and that's where i'm hoping we see in the next three to five years is more of that improving our uh, care delivery models really to address that and make a difference in overall population and um 
impacting um, our economy. I think for sustainability, we have to go down that direction. It's to your your professor's point of this is unsustainable. We have to, we can bring everyone in the boat. You know, it, it doesn't drag the economy down. If we can, you know, make everyone healthier, provide healthier, provide that access to care, democratize healthcare. I think everybody wins. Lower costs for everyone, healthier population, more productivity. Um, Jerry, I could talk to you all day, um, but I think we, we've we've I've taken up enough of your time. So. Jerry Julis, Director for Samsung Healthcare, Mobility B2B Solutions there. Um, incredible. Thank you for this conversation. It means the world to, to me. And, and thanks to you for watching. Um, as always, you can view all of our past episodes wherever you get your podcast or healthcareonairbyverizon.com. Until next time, we'll see you soon.